And welcome back to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Are you ready? Strap yourselves in, get ready to take some lists, to be informed, to work out what you have to do because if you didn't check today's date, it is the 30th of June. And like all end of financial years, we have someone here from the ATO explaining to us what they need to see, what they're expecting from us, what we need to do as small business owners, what obligations we need to remember, but importantly, how they're helping us out during this weird and wonderful time of COVID and bushfires and drought and crises, crises just piled on top of one another. So today I've got Andrew Watson, who is uh, the Deputy Commissioner in charge of small business experience at Small Business at the Australian Tax Office. And I have to ask firstly, Andrew, always, how do you fit all of that on a business card? Um, I don't. It just sits on the business card. It's just a commission of small business. Try to keep it simple so that it actually doesn't run on and on and on. But at times, yes, the full title is a bit of a mouthful. And of course, um, it's it. You have simplified things. I have to first, first of all give my hat, take my hat off to to the small business team at the ATO over the last few years. Uh, it seems to be more streamlined. It seems to be a little bit easier. It's you're administrating all of the legislative requirements that are given to you. Um, and I must say, I'm, I'm quite grateful that it was the ATO that was announced as looking after JobKeeper because I, I was almost a, a sigh of relief when I knew that that was the, the organisation that was looking after it. Because I thought, okay, it's going to be fine now. They know what they're doing. <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be okay. So well done for navigating that treacherous uh, landscape that we've had in the last few weeks. But today, of course, is the 30th of June, and as well as everything else, we've got the end of financial year to think about with our normal regular obligations which don't go away as small business owners. So let's first talk about what small businesses can do to prepare for tax time 2020. Okay, probably sort of, as you said, Alexi, probably one of those key things that we do do talk about every year is keeping good records. And as much for a small business, it's probably having those records in order. Uh, Over 90% of small businesses get a a tax agent to do their tax return at the end of the year. I know from speaking to to tax agents and to bookkeepers, it makes their life so much easier when their small business client has things organised around that. So um, the responsibility for record keeping, it does sit with the business owner. Um, So even if you do have a bookkeeper, um, help, helping you out, it's still your responsibility to make sure that's all, all, all there tidy. So we kind of suggest you make sure one, first, first kind of golden rule, keep all the records relevant to running, running your business, um, whether it's starting up, whether it's as you're running it or as you're closing it. Um, keep them in a format where we, they can actually last and, and uh, not be altered. So um, I know personally with my individual income tax return, you know, you get some of those receipts from a place like Officeworks or Bunnings on that thermal paper. In five years' time, they might disappear. So, you know, scanning them as a PDF, storing them electronically, that's all That's all really good sort of practices um, to do for business as well. Um, keep them for five years, uh, as, as I mentioned. Um, have them in a way that if we do need to ask a question, you know, you can easily bring them and produce this for us. Um, and uh, have them in, in English or converted into English. Particularly, that's more relevant if you've got some international transactions. Yeah, I was going to ask um, about that actually, on. because when we talk about re- receipts, obviously it's just as important and pertinent to have receipts. Say, if you're doing international travel, when you say convert it to English, is it sufficient to just write on the top in your writing, like a little, you know, this is what it is and this is how much it was and how much I paid for it? Is that a kind of an, a considerate a declaration? Yeah, if, if it's then and say, you know, it had been an overseas. Um, 
um, trip to Germany and the rest of the receipts in German. Um, it's around about being easily converted to English. So if it's a standard sort of receipt, um, if we needed to, we could give it to a German-speaking person and they could understand it and see that your handwritten note of, you know, it was accommodation expenses for a work trip, um, you know, all makes sense. So it's not having, you don't need to go and get it tra everything translated yourself. It's about it being able to be translated if needs be. But, but that tip, Alexi, of actually keeping, you know, just making a little a little note on the top corner or, or whatever so you actually understand what it is, that'll help you if you need to then produce the receipts down the track and help you bookkeeper in your accountant. Yeah, or if you're coding it like eight months later and you're like, what on earth was that? Yeah, you can remember what it was because you would have had multiple receipts from that country and you don't know which one's a taxi and which one's a $400 meal. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so record keeping, that's good to know that it still rests on the business owner. And of course, don't forget out there, guys, there's loads of software out there that's to help you maintain those records, keep those records and some really great photo recognition out there to recognise what's coming off the receipts as well. So it takes a lot of the hard work away from you if you need to. So explore that if you haven't already. So the receipts are very important and they're still just as pertinent even though we've got bank statements. This is something that I asked um, Deborah about last year. Even though we've got bank statements, we still need to have the evidence to show what everything is, right? You're right, Alexi. That, that's, it's a really key thing that the, the bank statement shows that you've spent the money. It doesn't show what it's been spent on and doesn't give that link to being, you know, an allowable deduction versus, you know, private expense, etc. So the receipts are really important. Awesome. Okay, so we've got our everything together. Everything's ready. It's all wrapped up in a nice, neat bow because we've been saving all our receipts throughout the year. What's next? Well, um, I think the, they've got this, as you said, it's a bit of a different... Uh, year that we've particularly the last sort of four or five months that we've been through so there's probably a few things that that might be uh, worth keeping in mind for small business owners this year in tax time um, working from home and home office expenses now we know a lot of small businesses have actually um, changed the way they, they've operated or have been starting to people that have started home-based businesses out, out of this or have had a combination of, of maybe employment income where they've been forced to work from home, as well as their home-based based, um, business. One of the key rules is generally a lot of those home-based business expenses have a have a private and a business proportion. So apportionment is a key thing for people to, to take account of there. Um, there is something this year that um, a simplified method that's been introduced um, for from period of 1 March to, to 30 June. Now, it's main, it was mainly introduced to help, um, you know, employees who've been pushed to work from home, but it can apply for small business owners as well. It's a flat rate of 80 cents in the dollar. What to keep in mind for the hours that you've, you, you've worked um, from home? What you need to keep in mind with that method is it's an all-encompassing deduction. So if you're doing that, you can't then say, you know, depreciate your, the desk that you might have bought or the office chair or, or some of that other equipment. A lot of people who've had a home office for a number of years, yep, they would be used to they, those sort of um, of rules where they actually um, apportion some of the, the, what we call the occupancy costs. So it might be that, you know, part of the, the, um, the mortgage or the rent you're paying on the house if you've got a dedicated home office, some of your, your running expenses, you know, your power, your gas, et cetera. Um, what, what is probably key this year is probably if, if previously you might have had a fairly stable pattern of how you've used your home office, 
it's it's possible it's going to be quite different this year. So just just keep that in mind as you 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 work through which option is right for you because there's you, you've got choices um, you've got choices there, but that apportionment of making sure. You know, you do allow for, particularly if it's a, the home part of a home-based business, you know, you're living in there, 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 there there's a personal component that you um, that you can't claim for. Just on that note, um, I know that a lot of small business owners um, kind of assume that some of their small business home office expenses are apportioned out by their accountant. It's a really good idea when you're having that end of financial year chat with them to ask them what system they're using because it might not be appropriate for you. And at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to reporting to be reporting correctly. So you need to have that conversation with your accountant. Are they using this new 80% method? Are they using some arbitrary figure? Have they been carefully apportioning out? Have you done a log? So there's, as Andrew mentioned, there's several different ways that you can figure this out. And with the new options for small business um, working from home from the 1st of March, that's another thing as well. Basically, just make sure you've got all of those deductible expenses, potential deductible expenses like your utilities, like your rent. Ask your accountant about what's appropriate for you to deduct. Have it all in one place so that the accountant can actually work with actual figures when they're working out what to apportion. Absolutely, Lexi. I think the, the thing I constantly hear from um, from accountants is the more they can, the more they're informed of their clients' circumstances, the better advice they can give. So, absolutely, I think if you've got if you go to your accountant with that information, as I said, th- things may have changed. Some people might, it might not have changed that dramatically. For others, it has. It allows your accountant then to be able to more easily look through what are the options and what might be under the law the one that gives the best outcome for you. And as always, be careful of double dipping. If you're still working full time in an office, don't assume that you can also cover this eighty percent because you have to be, you know, reasonable with what you can claim um, and just make sure that it actually matches what your circumstances are. Yeah, the, and, and the 80 cents in the hour uh, one, you still do need, like all expenses, <laughs> a record. So whether that's a, a diary which shows the hours you're working from, from home or timesheets or if you're in a, in a business just around generally it's the, the diary which shows where, where you've been, where your client appointments are, particularly if you, you know, you've, you've switched to client appointments through Zoom or other, other mechanisms, um, just where, where they've been, that sort of record helps um, demonstrate why you're claiming so many hours. Yeah, exactly. So just keeping good record keeping, that's not just about those receipts, but it's also about keeping a diary, which is accessible in a few years time. So you can say, yep, Here's an example of how I was at home for those four months because the office was closed down and I wasn't able to actually attend the office. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to Andrew Watson, one of the Deputy Commissioners at the ATO, all about end of financial year preparedness. We're going to take a break here on Triple H and we'll be back. And welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Small Biz Matters and we have an end of financial year special. We have one of the Deputy Commissioners, Andrew Watson from the ATO. Now, don't forget if you miss any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via our website, smallbizmatters.com.au or listen to podcasts via iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to them and listen to this interview in full because it is jam-packed with information. Now, just before the break, Andrew, we were speaking a little bit about, you know, record keeping and the importance of understanding that it's your responsibility. And you also mentioned that things have changed slightly to allow a little bit more deductibility of home office expenses for people who have been trapped inside their houses since the 1st of March, which is very kind. Uh, (laughs) Now, tell me a little bit about this um, word that's floating around 
around at the moment, which is e-invoicing. What should small business need need to know about e-invoicing from now onwards? Why is that something we should be aware of? Look, e-invoicing is something that's um, being rolled out through uh, accounting software for, for small business owners, um, but it's it's a, a standard way that electronic invoices can be sent between um, different businesses and government agencies. So it's really about business-to-business transactions. What it means by being standardised is it means your computer, regardless of what accounting software you use, will then be able to talk to other businesses' computers regardless of what software they use because it'll be a standardised one. So people might be familiar that, you know, if you're doing invoices between two zero users or two MYOB users, there can be ways that makes that pretty seamless. This creates a system of interoperability. So we've just started to see it being rolled out into um, some software that small business uses. We expect more by the end of this calendar year. We now have some government departments who are able to accept e-invoices and are committing to pay small businesses um, quicker. Ooh, the magic word! If they send an e-invoice, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a, bit, a good good news for cash flow, and cash flow is really important, even more important than ever um, in the current environment. Um, what is also the other party is then with larger businesses um, that don't use off-the-shelf accounting software. Likewise, they're, they're developing their systems around to be able to accept e-invoices. So it's not something a small business owner needs to jump out and do something extra about. It's it's around um, just staying in tune with what features are available in the software you use. And I'm hoping all the small business listeners do use some accounting software because um we find that we see more successful businesses. Uh, software is part of a key part of it. But sort of stay tuned into to what is in your software and when it comes out. And it'll be one of those ones over the next 12 months. Um, we, we expect there'll be more and more adoption between, as I said, government departments, small businesses, larger businesses, as uh, more and more people will be able to exchange e-invoices and get the benefits of not having to type things in, invoices going to the wrong address, um, invoices having having wrong information on it so they can't get paid on on time or, you know, their delays. Mm. Um, so we are hopeful it's, it'll be something that will be a good cash flow um, for a boost for small business in that um, they'll be able to get paid quicker yeah. um, by, by the other people. It's definitely a good top-down solution because we know that this is coming from government and the encouragement for this to happen so that people can get faster, paid faster is really good. Now, there's one other quite um, significant change that's happened in the last 12 months, which is STP finalisation. So anybody who employs right now should already be familiar with the expression STP, single-touch payroll. Um, how is uh, STP finalisation different from the old payment summary methods or for anybody who's a little bit older, the old group certificate methods? How is it different? <laughs> Um, it, it's quite different for a start. It, 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 there is no paper or virtual paper, if you want, um, compared to the old system. Um, we've actually got, Alexi, 500,000 businesses will be finalising on, on STP for the first time this year. It was about 200,000 last tax time, so really big increase um, in there, which is fantastic that we've now got um, the vast majority of employers onto STP. The key thing to, to do under the old, old system would be an end of year um, producing the payment summaries and doing a reconciliation report to the ATO. Within single-touch payroll, it's a process called year-end finalisation. 
So it's really that that's the bit that small businesses need to um, can do after the last payday for the year. If one when the business the employer runs that finalisation, the data gets sent to the ATO, which effectively says yes, these amounts for all these employees for that year are now the year end numbers. And we can use that to put them put into prefill for um, for tax agents or for people using MyTax. It's the equivalent of issuing the old payment summary or, or as you said, <laughs> the group certificate for people who can remember those colourful paper-based forms from a few years ago. Um, and you don't need to provide a copy of the payment summary to your employees anymore if you're on single-touch payroll. So one, one thing we have have had last year, which just is really important for small employers, is you do need to do that finalisation process in your software. Um, some people think once they've done the last payroll run for the year, it'll automatically happen and mark the the um, uh, what we call tax ready um, for the information for their employees. You need to go through that last ever finalisation. That gives you a chance or your accountant or bookkeeper a chance just to double check there aren't any sort of things missing or, or anything from year end to do it before that's finalised. Yeah. Small employers have till 31 July to do that. Larger employers, so 20 or more, it's the 14th of July. But we encourage, um, particularly given this very different tax time, encourage employers to, if they can do it before that, it'll help their employees because then their data's ready and we know lots of employees, lots of people looking to do their tax early this year if they're expecting a refund. So really key part of getting the tax right is the more prefill information is available. So that's a part, a part that small business and employ people can, can play a part in helping us out with that. And accounting software has made that particularly easy because it is really just a matter of pushing a button in a lot of cases. But I would say as well, just eyeball your payroll, just have a quick glance at it and make sure that it all balances. Like make sure that you haven't, you know, missed something or overpaid someone or underpaid someone. It's worth looking at those accounts just to make sure that they all look right and they're all balanced before you hit that STB button. And this is a really good time to engage with your BAS agent bookkeeper just to help um, make sure that everything is tied up neatly in a bow before you finalise. Obviously, you know, you can make corrections, but maybe do it before you hit that finalise button. But don't mean that you hold back on hitting that finalise button because you do need to consider your employees who are waiting on that tax refund. Yeah, and and just one final tip around STP. Um, STP can come in and join it at any stage in the year. It doesn't just need to be from the first payroll event of the year. So if you're an employer that, say, started on STP in February this year, um, when you start on STP, you would have given the ATO all the data for the first part of the financial year. You don't need to do the old payment summary uh, information as well as finalise on STP. If you finalise on STP, you've done all you need to do for this year. Mm. We've had some people in the past tr- try to do both and it's just it, it creates a lot of mess and, and duplication for everyone. Um but it's, it's one of those unique things, the way STP was done, that you could come in partway through the year. You didn't mm. have to just do it for the first payroll run. So just something for people to remember for the first time. Because those figures are year-to-date figures. It's a cumulative figure that you're giving the ATO. So even if you do something where, you know, you have to um, – maybe there's a correction somewhere along the line or you need to adjust something along the line. It's cumulative. So as long as you've 
did something within the year, it will have given the cumulative work to year-to-date figures um, and then moving forward it would be accurate. So that's that's a good system. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> it means that we didn't have to that's go back good. and do stuff at the beginning of the year as well. So let's talk a little bit about um, the stimulus packages. We've talked a lot on Small Biz Matters about these um, with various ATO and accounting and bookkeeping experts on how to access them and how to do it right. So what difference do those stimulus measures make with end of financial year reporting uh, for this year? So with, as you and your listeners are aware, these uh, employer cash flow boost um, JobKeeper all, you know, started running from March, April, you know, have at this stage, subject to decisions from government, run through to September. So they cross over two financial years. So firstly, it's probably understanding when have you received those monies. We're probably okay today because we're we're on 30 June. So anything up to today will go into your 2020 tax return. It's probably just being aware of if you do your tax return in September of, of making sure you split between the two. Mm-hmm. There's different tax treatment on on the the different um, the different stimulus packages. So, um, just briefly, JobKeeper. So, a payment that uh, a business gets under JobKeeper um, is income. In in essence, it's because it's a, the effectively a wage subsidy or a, a covering the wages. So, it's got those characteristics of income. So, you do need to include that in your assessable income. Um, your wages, your employees that you've paid out, all the $1,500 a fortnight, given their wages, that's a, that's a deduction. So so those two parts of the of it um, do need to go into your, your tax return. So um, make sure you keep your, the JobKeeper goes in as accessible income. If you've received credits through the uh, cash flow boost for employers, so that's where you've received the credit on your activity statement um, when you've got em- employees, um, that is what we call really great tax term, non-assessable, non-exempt income. Now, the most important part for your listeners, non-assessable means it doesn't go in your assessable income for your tax return. So you won't pay tax on that. It doesn't come in there. The non-exempt part means there might be some income tests or some other things where that's taken into account for um, for uh, other sort of entitlements. It's really one of those ones where... Um, you know, the, the main message is it's not going to go into your accessible income, but talk to talk to your account just because it doesn't go into your accessible income. Make sure it's it's part of what you you have prepared for your, your tax agent um, if you use one, because there might be other parts of the tax return it does need to go on to be um, reported on, but not have tax paid on. And again, a really good idea is to just flag it and just inform um, the accountant or the bookkeeper what it is or, you know, I mean, they're probably going to recognise it anyway because we're seeing them dozens and dozens of times. But it's a good idea to say this was JobKeeper, something that highlights uh, what it is so that if they're doing the coding for you, they're the ones who can find it easily and pop it into the correct account. Yeah. If, if, if any of the listeners did access um, any of this superannuation under the early release of um of super that was available for, for small business owners as well. Um, that is not income. That's not taxable income because effectively that is a withdrawal 
of your own money from superannuation. So there's no tax consequence mm-hmm. um, on that withdrawal. It's not reported, need, need to be reported either. So so they're probably, Alexi, the three big ones out of um, those stimulus packages for, for small business owners to keep in mind of uh, when they go to prepare their tax return for 2020. Right. And that's that's really it. I mean, that's that's as complex as it gets when it comes to the stimulus and the, rec- uh, and the way that it, it links with the end of financial year. Am I right? Um, it pretty pretty much is the the, the thing where is if you've um, been in, uh, entitled to and accessed any other sort of government grants or payments from a, a state government or a federal government, um, there's no hard and fast rule on those because a lot of them it depends on what the the grant was for. Mm. O- often, you know, the the the, um, the guiding principle is if the payment is to replace income, then generally it would be treated as income. Um, it, it's, but it is more on a, there's a series of ones across different states um, and different levels of, of government. Um, we are at the moment and they keep changing. So it's hard to keep hold of the list. I, the last count, I, I think there was well over 70 different ones across the country. Um, we are looking to provide as much guidance as we can on, on this ever-changing list, but it's really one of those, those ones. If you've received something else related to to, to, um, to COVID or even um, to the from the bushfire payments, one of those ones, as you said before, Alexi, flag it to bring it to your attention of, of your accountant, or if you're not using an accountant, like um, give the ATO a call to actually go through that specific that specific one and get some advice but it's 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 um it would be great if there was a hard and fast rule to say no it's all not income or these ones are are income but it really does depend how the grant is set up and what purpose it's for exactly and one of the reasons why that's complex is because you may have received a grant that says you specifically need to pay it uh, pay out this grant uh towards um, I know with the New South Wales Small Business Grant, for example, it needs to be used for operating expenses. So you'll need to show at some point that the that the exact amount that you've, well, not the exact, but the amount that you've, you've received has been paid towards those amounts. So if you're not sure, first stop is always your, your tax or BAS agent to work out how to code this. Um, and remembering that this is all about the end of financial year, not necessarily, we're not necessarily speaking about your June BAS. Um, we're talking about end of financial year, but you need to get these things straight as you go. So if you're reconciling something right now in your accounting software and you say, oh, I'm not sure how to do this, now's a good time to ask because it's fresh in your mind and it's fresh in the minds of your bookkeeper, BAS agent as well, and ask them how to do it and they'll be able to guide you and then you don't have to worry about it again because it'll be correct. Um, We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters uh, and after the break, I'm going to be speaking some more with the ATO about the different types of support and relief and... um, uh, assistance that they're offering to small business in relation to all the crises we've been through in the last few months. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. So you're listening to Triple H 100.1 at the moment and we are embedded in end of financial year prep. And we're talking to Assistant Commissioner Andrew Watson from the ATO, who knows all about small business and the way it ticks, in particular what's been going on in the last few months. And one of the things we need to be aware of with end of financial year at the moment is, um, I guess, 
the way that the ATO is treating these different disasters and the kinds of relief that are out there. So it's not just a, a Band-Aid, you know, you're experiencing this, so we're going to do this for you. It really does depend on the sort of um, crisis you've been affected by, maybe the multiplier effect that ensues as well. Andrew, tell me, what if a small business is impacted by multiple disasters? So what if they've got, you know, one thing after another? How can they seek help from the ATO? Um, yeah, the first thing, our first priority is particularly those that have had multiple disasters is for them to look after their own health. Um, we, we found particularly, uh, we've got some great material, ato.gov.au slash small business mental health, but particularly um, the greatest issues we've seen is people who have been impacted by these disasters and then not reached out to their bookkeeper, not reached out to their accountant, not talked to us, and I've never seen the problems or issues go away as a result of that. So encourage people to look after their, their own health so they can actually then engage with others. We've had, um, and the bushfires, you know, at times it seems a long time ago. I, I look at my calendar, 6, 6th of March, I was on Kangaroo Island um, doing some sessions with impacted small businesses, and it, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it is three and a half months ago and those issues those those businesses are still feeling the impacts of the fires and now they've got the COVID impacts of tourism so I know there's similar stories um, across all, all of the states the we the blanket deferrals we had for the bushfires for lodgement and payment through 28th of May have now gone but there are things we can do to support small businesses that are impacted um, by any or multiple of those different events that you, you mentioned before um, we can defer obligations uh, and payment by up to, up to six months um, where required. Um, if you're on a quarterly reporting cycle, you can switch to monthly if it's going to generate um, credits and refunds through your activity statements. Um, you, you can look to very pay-as-you-go instalments um, if you've paid earlier in the year but your circumstances have changed to be able to vary that down. Um, we are in a position to, to remit penalties and interests for um, debts incurred after 23rd January. Um, and we can actually work with you to, to go through what's a, a payment plan um, that might be outside of the normal normal terms that will help you continue through with your business. The main thing, Alexi, with all of these is either you can contact us directly. So we need to have a conversation around this stuff. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So a business can call us directly on our, on our um, emergency support line, which is 1-800-806-218. Or, just as importantly, your, your, your BAS agent, your tax agent, they can also talk to us on your behalf um, and they can get the same sort of support through the, through the emergency support line. So um, it's really about now for us, what's the right support for your circumstances? And the only way we can really do that is if you or your representative talk to us and then we can work through what of those options might be um, might be the best for you. And I do, I do appreciate that you're stressing the importance of that open line of communication. It's not a good idea to wait until this is doubled down and the experience has worsened and worsened and worsened and you're really putting this on the back shelf because you're fearful of what might occur when you have that conversation. The fact is it's better to have it earlier. There's nothing to fear. Um, the ATO is there to support. I, I, I've spoken to a number of assistant commissioners who have said in the past, it's not in our best interest to make 
put people out of business because then we don't get anyone paying tax and that doesn't work for the for the community as a whole. No. But, you know, getting in, in on the front foot and having that conversation and look, saying, okay, well, look, I can see something's happening because there are copious uh, notes that are made by the ATO customer service people. They keep on writing notes about your account. They can draw back on those and say, oh, yes, you did flag that with us a couple of months ago. Thanks for letting us know. As a result, there is this and this and this. Um, and, and that conversation should be fairly fluid at the moment because of all the weird and wonderful things that are going on. And like you said, it's individual. Each business needs to be treated as an individual. Look, and, and we have, um, it's not, it's no longer out and about talking to small businesses. It's, it's, it's being virtually talking to small businesses and their representatives at the moment. But overwhelmingly, the feedback we're getting is when people are actually talking with us, they are getting the right sort of empathetic response from, from the ATO. So do encourage people, exactly as you said, Alexi, um, you know, talk, the earlier you talk to us, if you're seeing, seeing an, an issue, you know, we've got, we've got flexibility and often it's more flexibility than people actually realise um, to be able to support through. Yes, tax is tax, tax under the law, it does need to be, be paid, but we can work through how that happens so that it can best suit your circumstances, especially in the current environment. And of course, the um, the hold times um, have been improved. Have you put on more staff to be able to help with the number of calls that you're getting as a result? Yeah, across both from businesses and for individuals, we've had an unprecedented level of calls. We were um, when uh, the JobKeeper package and early release of Super were, were announced. Not long after that, um, we were getting uh, call volumes like higher than the tax time levels, uh, and we've still. Been recently been getting sort of um, upwards of sixty thousand calls a day, um, but able to we've had more people on. So uh, yes, our queue times, hold times um, aren't aren't that long. People are able to get through, and likewise, as we've we've said, given tax time is just about to hit us, um, we've actually trained up even more people to be able to um, help on those lines. That's fantastic. And and look, thank you as well. But I just would encourage anybody who's ringing to be patient because obviously it's end of financial year, plus crises, plus COVID, plus stimulus, um, you know, adds up to, to possibly being um, a difficult time to contact. But then having said that, you've extended your opening hours for the phone lines. Do you still have the process whereby people can get a call back if they're call a back. small business? Yes, we, we do. We do. What we, we're finding at the moment, um, because uh, we've got the... The, the hold times are pretty reasonable, so we're not having as much demand on that as we might have seen previously, which is, I think it's a good... It's a good indicator. one. <laughs> yeah. How, however, exactly as I said, Alexi, we, we, we are preparing, we're expecting sort of the uh, end of July. Um, we're going to probably have one of... We're, we're planning for the busiest tax time ever um, with all these things happening. So um, we hope we can continue to keep that up, but we know there'll be times when everyone's trying to get through to the ATO There'll be those longer queues and that callback service then will probably be more useful for small business people um, if they're finding that they're, they're hearing up, there's going to be a whole time that um, is going to get in the way of them getting on with their business, then use that callback service. 
Fantastic. And of course, on the um, ATO website, which is a lot easier to navigate than it was a few years ago, there's some really good support mechanisms there. There's great videos to watch if you go to the Small Business Newsroom. Make sure you subscribe to that as well because there's some great updates and easy to digest small bits of information as part of that newsletter that goes out to over 2 million businesses. Make sure that you're on that list as well so you can get that information from the ATO. Um, There are a couple of changes that you wanted to quickly highlight before we come to the top of the hour, Andrew, about changes to the website. So, of course, those of uh, people who are not aware, there's been change to the new MyGov ID system to be able to access the website. Could you quickly take us through that process? Yeah, so those people who've previously used the, the, the business portal to um, access some of the digital services um, from the ATO, um, the OSKEY was the way you logged into that. That reached the end of its life at the end of March this year. And so we've been building over the last year or so a thing called MyGov ID, which is a digital credential. Um, it starts with an app on your, your phone that you use to, to register your identity. Um, and then that is effectively then becomes your digital key to use our business portal. That's like two-step um, authentication, which people who use software or other pieces of um, online services might be familiar with. It's like a, an authenticator. Uh, absolutely. And, and the difference was an OzKey, uh, in effect, had to physically be on the machine you were logging into. Because this identity credential is portable, um, it's independent of the machine. So if you do need to, you can, you know, home computer, iPad, um, office computer, doesn't matter uh, anymore. So um, that gets into the business portal. Um, maybe be something that, that I come back uh, in six months' time or so. Um, we're revamping the business portal at, at the moment. Um to actually make it a, a much more modern and add some, add some greater functionality to help small business self-serve, but also in a complementary way to, to what your tax and BAS agent um, can use. So um, we're pretty excited. It's been, as you said, there's been lots of stuff going on with building stuff for JobKeeper and Early Research Super that um, has put a bit of uh, pressure on that program, but we're full steam ahead with that. Um, and looking by the end of this year, we'll, we'll, we'll start to, to have um, a new a new platform that we'll start testing with some small business owners. Cheap this all working right before we open it up for everyone. See, Andrew, you sound like a small business owner. You're all excited about your new website, which is just about to launch and you can get it out to your clients and do some beta testing and see if everybody's happy with that. So if you need any tips on how to run a really good website, just chat to any small business owner. They'll be able to help you out. Okay, will do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on the program here on Small Biz Matters, Andrew. Um, of course, people can find out more via the ATO website and just go and explore and find out lots of top tips for small business. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Uh, my pleasure, Alexi. Thank you. Now, if you've just joined us or if you want to miss, if you missed out of any today's podcast, you can catch up via smallbizmatters.com.au or via iTunes and Spotify. And if you happen to enjoy this podcast, please give us a little star rating that really helps us with our podcasting. And of course, um, make sure you Check in with your local community radio station, not just Triple H, but all over the country. They are fantastic web, um, radio stations that you can connect with that are linked in with your community and offer great educational programs. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. I look forward to seeing you all next week and uh, have a lovely week and end of financial year.